This is Metal Mike, and in this one, I got Ryan with me. We do our top 15 from 1980 to 1983. It's a great era. We weren't buying metal albums at this point, but hey, all these albums hold a great place in our hearts. Check it out. Well, Ryan, welcome to the show, buddy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing good, man. This is uh, going to be an interesting one. This kind of goes back to like... The pre-hair model, or the beginnings of hair model, you know, 1980 to 1983. Uh, it's probably before both of our times. Uh, what do you think? Oh, yeah. It's the foundation. I, I really like this list. So it's, it's really like what's to come in the 80s. And it was a period when people were kind of finding their way post-70s stuff and the early stages of, like, the look as well. So, you know, some of these bands have their best stuff that came out in this time period, and it was really pure then. There was... No outside forces kind of telling them to look or sound a different way. And pretty uh, epic list of heavy hitters. Yeah, you you make a good point because I feel like with me, I have a lot of heavy hitters on because in all honesty, I wasn't, I was alive. (laughs) I just wasn't, I just wasn't (laughs) buying music. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, like, I, like I said, I was, I was more dabbling into, uh, you know, around '82, like Michael Jackson's Thriller, <laughs> stuff like that. I wasn't, I wasn't there yet. You know what I mean. So uh, this was all stuff I had to go back to. But for me, a lot of it is like some of my favorite bands had some of their greatest stuff out during this time period. So that's why it's an important list. And uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You're a guy who likes to have a lot of rare stuff. Usually, have a lot of rare stuff on your list. So I'm curious to see how, since you weren't around during this time, like how rare you're going to go. So I'm pretty interested. Yeah. Well, this, like I said, it kind of built the foundation. I yeah, I wasn't around. I, I wasn't even on Earth for one of the years. But then, <laughs> you know, '81, <laughs> uh, I was born, and um, there was some really cool stuff that was coming out around that time. Uh, but yeah, I have some, some kind of rare for like the first five and then it goes into some like fairly huge predictable stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I can, I can only imagine. I think I know what some of them are, but why don't you kick it <laughs> off, man? We'll get right into it. What's your 15? Cool, man. I got Helix, no rest for the wicked on 1983. Nice, nice. Yeah, so I think we've kind of talked about them. I, I know maybe one other person talked about them on on your show, but yes. first time I've definitely um, kind of showcased one of their albums, but they're actually pretty damn consistent hard rock with some really decent hooks, especially from 83. Um, the last time I cranked this album was probably 25 years ago, to be honest. <laughs> I kind of like got into helix when i first started really delving into the genre and uh i kind of started in the beginning of the decade and went up so but these guys uh i think they hold a record for like the most band members i, I counted something like 39 of them <laughs> through their through they're their like, career no kidding oh my god yeah they're like a like a la guns on steroids in terms of <laughs> band members here but <laughs> i was gonna say how could they beat la guns oh dude they do like check it out it's funny but uh some of the Cool song choices I put down were uh, Dirty Dog, um, Does a Fool Ever Learn, and then I'm sure you've heard Heavy Metal Love, which you know a lot of people have. It's on XM and the radio whatnot here and there, but it's got a cool catchy tune. But yeah, they kept producing um, pretty decent stuff through the decade and then into the 90s and 2000s, and they obviously kind of polished up towards the 
mid to late 80s and early 90s and they're they're holding their own pretty damn good canadian band so uh check them out you know yeah you're right uh when the hair metal guru was on he talked helix i know there's some followers and different people that have commented how much uh they like helix and i never really got into helix and i'm not even gonna i can't even say that i ever really tried so it's not like i don't like them i think it's just a band that i probably got to give some attention to so between others and yourself uh, i will definitely go back and, and try to jam on some helix yeah yeah i think i got a best of first and it kind of covered all the bases for me and then i got like their i can't remember if it's 89 or 90 albums it's pretty good so nice. I, I, I randomly crank it and i like it when it comes on the radio so yeah they're good awesome well 15 i'm i, I don't think there's any rare guys on this bad boy so let's just go into a band that gets talked about a lot Docking, and I'm going with breaking the chains, man. I, I love this album, you know. I, I really do. I think I think Don's got it together here. I mean, it's it's not 100 percent there yet. You know what I mean? It's it's still it's still getting there. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing is, you know, this album originally was done as Don Dockin in 1981 on some like French record label, something weird. And yeah, it's, right. it's got Don and it's got Peter Baltz from uh, Accept on some songs. And it has Mick and George and Juan Juan on there. Then Bobby Blotzer plays on a couple songs, too. So it's kind of like a hodgepodge project when he first did it. Um, I haven't... I've listened to that a little bit, but, I mean, I'm more familiar with the 1983 version um, that they actually, you know, released on Electro Records. But it's pretty good. There's a couple... So let's just... There's a couple weird ones that are kind of odd that I don't like. Like, for give you an example, like Young Girls. I don't know if you know that song. Young Girls. It's like really... Oh, yeah. It's very cheesy and stupid. But breaking the chains, I think right out of the gate, like the first four or five, felony, caught in the middle, all that kind yeah. of stuff, man, is really good. Even Night Rider, as you get going, is pretty good. But I gotta admit, it kind of there's a couple spots as it gets to the end that just don't really catch my attention all that much. But I jammed on this not too long ago, and you do it. You hear that that docking sound is there, like that that vibe. He's, he's an interesting guy, man. He's just got that. He's just got that vibe. It's really hard to put your finger on. He's kind of melancholy, and uh, he was coming right out of the gate with that. And even when he tries to be like your typical rocker, he just he still just comes across as kind of like a you know kind of depressed guy. But but I love it. <laughs> he's got a great voice. He writes great songs, and uh, I'm going with Dockin. I realized I hadn't really delved into it, and like a year ago, I I looked into it again, and I and it was like in the middle, breaking the chains, and Paris is burning with like yep. The true hard rockers, yep. and then like even in the middle, like the, the chorus was oh, very yeah. Dawkins esque hard rock, and the rest was almost like a like new wavy. It was weird, yeah. Trick me out, ones. yeah. Like that young girls. That's just stay away from that. Yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, buddy. Let's hear your fourteen. Fourteen. Now here's kind of a rare one. I got a band called Cobra, and the album is called First Strike from 1983. Hmm. So uh, this is Jimmy Jameson of Survivor, Ooh. and actually three members of Crocus, which I didn't know until researching this. I thought it was just uh, the future Crocus drummer, but they had three guys in that band, so that was kind of cool to learn. But it's like a harder Survivor 
And uh, in doing a little bit of research, I was reading that uh, Jimmy Jameson was like a little bit nervous about joining Survivor because of how how much more poppy they were than Cobra. So mm. he was kind of used to the harder stuff, but it's very similar. Um, it's like a, a like the hardest foreigner would get on their albums and Survivor. So, um, but it's cool score if you can find it on CD. The first two songs are like a really good feel for what you're gonna get from this album. And they only made one album and then disbanded. The guys went on to Crocus, went on to Survivor, which was also probably pretty good moves by those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, really pretty consistent, hard rock, cool album. Nice. Yeah, I, I like his voice, man. Especially like the yeah. songs that are like on the Rocky Four soundtrack. You know what I mean? I, yeah, I like that stuff. Totally. So, yeah, he's good. He's good. Well, that's cool. I'll check yeah. out Cobra. When I hear Cobra, I think of the movie with Stallone. The disease. And I'm the cure. I guess it all ties back to Stallone, Survivor. Yeah, he, yeah, he does. He's got a couple Stallone uh, hits. So that's good. <laughs> all right, another heavy hitter. It's it's like in this era you're gonna get heavy hitters like in their beginning, right? And it's like it's gonna be a mix up of like it's really good, but some of it's not there yet. I think this is gonna be the constant theme that you're gonna run into, and I think that really is the truth when it comes to Metallica kill them all it's it's not the true metallica sound that develops as you get to like ride the lightning and master of puppets and and so on and so forth but i think it's really good i think if anything they're showing more of their love for like the british metal you know it kind of has that vibe going on with with it but uh i love it and uh so many great songs hit the lights motor breath whiplash obviously like uh jump in the fire and seek and destroy are kind of like songs they they probably still bust out today but great album yeah. you know definitely different doesn't sound like any of the other albums uh in their catalog but metallica you know have some albums that kind of deviate from their normal sound so you know this one is kind of like a certain kind of thing and then they kind of get into a pocket and then obviously with load and reload and uh saint anger <laughs> they've been all over the place but a great album yeah. it's a great beginning and, you know, there's definitely some songwriting credits uh, uh, from Dave Mustaine on this one because he was the original guy in Metallica. So just great album. I, I love uh, jamming on this one. Yeah, who'd have thought that this band would have turned into one of the biggest bands in the world after hearing this, you know? It's yeah. crazy. It's cool to hear their foundation, but, man, it's different from uh, less than a decade later. Yeah. Oh, for sure. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Number 13. Thirteen. Now here's a random one. This is called Streets, and the album is called First, and uh, it's from 1983 again. And it's the former Kansas lead singer Steve Walsh and Mike Slammer. Oh, we want everything. Everything leads back to Mike Slammer. I love it, <laughs> dude. It does really. But uh, yeah, I've gushed about this one before in discussing um, his band Steelhouse Lane, which was a, a really cool Mike Slammer '90s band. But uh, this like melodic metal looks really good on Steve Walsh. He kind of flexes his his vocals compared to the Kansas days, and it's really really hooky. Uh, got some keyboards in there, but it's a, it's a slight touch. Um, I talked about this song "If Love Should Go" before during um, our '90s episodes when we talked about mm-hmm. Steelhouse Lane. It's a really catchy song, and it's so catchy that it should have been like a number one. Like if. If, if Whitesnake did one of their classic re-records of a classic Whitesnake song, and this happened to be one of them, 
it definitely would have been like a here I go again. Just re-record like heaven. It would have been a number one for sure. It's so catchy. If Love Should Go, great song. But the first three songs are really cool, really like kind of sets the tone for the album. They have one more album in 85, and then they were dropped by the label, and they kind of went their separate ways. But uh, really cool, kind of ahead of its time, um, melodic hard rock by Streets. Cool. I've never heard of Streets. Yeah. All right. 13. Some people will be surprised that one of my bands that I love so much is so low on the list. I'll try to explain it. That's where, I, that's where I put Kiss, Lick It Up. And mm. I don't know, man. Okay, all right. I'm just going to be honest. Okay, so for Kiss, I got into Kiss around 86. Okay, so that was with the Asylum yeah. album. So any album prior, it was just me going back and getting the album. And for some reason, I thought all the 70s albums made sense to me. But this is an album that just never made sense to my ears. And I don't, I don't know why. Uh, but part of it, I'm going to say, I think is because of Vinnie Vincent. Because... His influence is, is is the biggest that it's ever been on this album. He has a songwriting credit on every song. And some people love this album and think it's that he saved Kiss. And, you know, they definitely had a, a platinum album again uh, with, with him in there. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't fault them for that. But I feel like there's just something, the sound quality of this album doesn't do anything for me. The um, the vo- Paul's voice just sounds different on this album for to, to me, and I don't I don't really can't put my finger on it. Almost sounds like like they took like the the tenth take, right? His voice was like real <laughs> raspy, you know. Not that there's anything not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think I've said this numerous times in the podcast. I think that in a heavier situation, like a heavier album, Gene will thrive, Paul will kind of fall short. And that's the way that I feel about this. Like a lot of people love songs like Exciter and Gimme More, heavier songs by Paul. I don't care for those songs. Um, so my favorites out here are like Not for the Innocent, On the Eighth Day, Fits Like a Glove, all the, all the Gene ones. But, you know, Lick It Up is a great song and it's a great kiss hit, but I'm completely burnt out with it. I mean, I'm so burnt out with it. I mean, Kiss plays it to this day live, so it's just, I'm just way burnt out with Lick It Up. So I appreciate Lick It Up. I got to have it on my list. I, I definitely, you know, go to certain tracks here and there, but there's just something about Lick It Up that just doesn't work for me. And it's weird because I'm a big fan of Creatures of the Night, and for the most part, this is most of the same team making this album, but it just doesn't hit the same for me. So that's where I got it. Yeah, it's on my honorables. Um... And I really, really love the song Lick It Up. It's, like I've said before, it's my favorite Kiss song out there. And because I'm not such a hardcore fan, it isn't like a You Shook Me All Night Long overplayed to me. Right. Um, I really like Not For The Innocent as well. And this is the one, I got this and Def Leppard High and Dry at the same time. And back in the day, I used to record it onto a tape. And I recorded these on one side and the other side of the tape, so they always go hand in hand for me. Yeah. So I I listened to them through and through both albums uh, front to back. So I got to know this album really well, and I really liked it. Um, but you're right. You said about his voice sounding different. It has like a deeper, ballsier register. I feel like on this album than his. Uh, I, I can't explain. It's not like a squeaky high, but he's just got like a high pitched voice. Yeah. Um, Paul does, and so. I don't know. I, I like I said. I'm, I'm not. 
I haven't dissected it enough to figure out why it's different, but it is. Like the song Lick It Up, his voice is definitely different. Yes. But uh well, thank it, you. it fits it well. Yeah, it does. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just like I said, I, I know all their albums well and when I when I hear this one, I, I just hear a, a a difference in tone or something. Something just doesn't sound the same. You know what I mean? And maybe it's totally cool. maybe it was deliberate. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But it is what it is. They did well with it. A lot of people love it. Um, it's, it's just not one of my favorite Kiss albums, but it's on the list. So, And this is the first one where they went unmasked, right? Yes. Yeah, good. Thanks. Yeah, I should have brought that up. That is important. <laughs> <laughs> I talk about the sound, but yes, right. It was very image-wise, very important. It was, but they did look good on the cover. You yeah. know, like they... I remember when they like had the re- the big reveal on TV, and it was like, oh shit! Like maybe keep them on, guys. But they look good on the cover. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's weird. They're you know the look live is probably one of their worst. I think they're just so confused at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah, they just went totally. off of wearing all, all this armor and and studs and all this stuff, and now you know they're just you know to look at them on, on the Lick It Up tour, you went you know it's the same outfits that Death Leopard and and uh, Quiet Riot. You know they they can fit in without all those guys, so they just don't really have an identity anymore so but like i said it's an important it's an it's an important album important time for the band but just not one of my favorites all right number 12 who only cares about possessions fancy cars cd players even women are possessions to him yeah. see billy idol gets it okay, here's where i got billy idol doing rebel yell from 83 <laughs> you, and uh you just you can't <laughs> stay with you're, you're just hardcore billy idol lately aren't you or maybe yours i know <laughs> Dude, it, he pops up a lot these days. But um, so, and I'll tell you why I put it on the list and I put it at 12. Um, the hits made me do it. And obviously, the title track, Flesh of Fantasy, Eyes Without a Face, Blue Highway. Uh, the rest of it's very kind of like new wave punk and in the album tracks. But Billy really ruled at this point. He was like the darling of MTV and his look was so cool and great. And he had a, a great backing band and everything. So, I couldn't deny it. I actually didn't have it on there for a while. And then I said, you know, I go to this a lot. So I'm going to put it on there. So I, I had to include him in the list. Nice. I, I like Billy Idol. Um, not as much as you. <laughs> but but, but I, I do like, I mean, all, all this, the singles that you mentioned, I know all those songs. So, no, I, I have a lot of respect for him. He's uh, he's an interesting dude. He's like a punk Jim Morrison or something. He's cool. Yeah, totally. All right, number 12, Mammoth Album. Kind of turn the tides for our genre here, you know what I mean? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And, it, and it's Quiet Riot, Metal Health. Uh, it's just a classic, dude. You know, I mean, this really—I hate to say it—but it might really be their only really, really good album as a whole. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, they've had a couple of one-off songs here and there, but this is the word album where I can listen to the whole album. And I think the main reason for that is is Kevin DeBro's voice. Uh, his voice is so good, 
and he's got the right songs, so it's it's a good it's you know and, you know, and no fault of Rudy and, and Frankie and, and Carlos, they're, they're all great too. I mean, it, it's a great band. One thing I want to mention that doesn't get enough credit, and, and we talked about you know where did the power ballad in the '80s really build from? There's a there's a power ballad on here. They didn't release it, but uh, Thunderbird, and it's dedicated to Randy Rhodes. And you know it's just it's just one of the ones where never was a single, and it's kind of hidden you know deeper in the album, but a very cool song. I think some of the ones that aren't singles are the ones that I really like. Although Bang Your Head, Metal Health Bang Your Head, I mean, is it is their best song. I don't even care. I, love, I don't get sick of that song. Yeah. I get sick of no, Come On, Feel the Noise. Uh, but Breathless oh, yeah. and Slick Black Cadillac and Love's a Bitch, I mean, the whole thing is good. But uh, those songs are, are those kind of deeper tracks that are, that are really good, that are underappreciated. But it's just a great album. It's too bad that you know the next one was a flop and it just was that kind of a down, downward spiral for these guys. But... You know, album-wise, this this is the you know they came out of the gate real strong, and, and it was really important because it was like the first metal album that ever topped the Billboard chart. So important, uh, and it's great. So yeah, R.I.P. Kevin DeBro. I think he it's the anniversary of his death just recently, I believe. That's right. I'm glad I got to see him live. I saw him in the early 2000s, and it was really cool. Like I'm I'm stoked now because I wasn't the biggest Quiet Riot fan, and I'm admittedly not the hugest, but right. I'm really glad I got to see him. He he really delivered in the early 2000s, and it was a blonde Kevin Dubrow. He looked he looked cool still, but uh, I don't know, man. Uh, I love Metal Health. I like um, some of the songs off the set off of Condition Critical, mm-hmm. the uh, Party All Night, Mama, we're all crazy now. But yeah, I have to probably dig into this one a little bit more because I kind of. I bought it early on and thought I didn't love it, and I kind of never went back to it. So wow. maybe it's time. I think so. All right, mm-hmm. dude. What do you got for 11? Okay, I got a huge one. I got Judas Priest. Nice. And the one I chose was Screaming for Vengeance. They have three classics to choose from. In this list, and I didn't choose British Steel or Point of Entry, I chose this one. And obviously, you got the huge hits, the big live songs. Um, I really like the album tracks, though, like Riding the Wind, Bloodstone, Devil's Child. They really set the tone for ripping hard metal, the kind of the standard throughout the decade and beyond. And you can't deny the album artwork. No. <laughs> so that's where I put it. I love Priest. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I put no Priest on my list, which is strange Ooh, because wow. I really got big into Priest starting at Turbo. And I, there's probably people yeah. booing right now. Uh, and I, for <laughs> me, uh, okay, so let's say, like, I remember I bought the Judas Priest Metal Works. It was like a double disc that had a lot yes, of their songs on it. One. And there's a lot of songs from this on there. So I'm very familiar with those songs. So for me to just go back now today and say, oh, I love Screaming for Vengeance, you know what I mean? I don't know if I do. I do like Electric Eye. I like another, you got another thing coming, Riding on the Wind. Like, so I know some of the songs, but for me, I just never spent enough time with it as a complete album. Oh, obviously the title tracks are cool too. But yeah, I so that's why I kind of stayed away from it. But um, I do love Priest, man. I, I love me some Priest. Dude, Turbo's still like my... I almost put it as my number one on my very first list with you was 1986, and I almost had it as number one until like 10 a.m. that morning, and I swapped it, but I love Turbo. Um, yeah, this album, I I agree with you. I, 
I hadn't sat with it that much because I had the Metalworks, and then I got really into Ram It Down, Turbo, Painkiller, all that stuff. Yeah. And I didn't delve too hard into the back catalog and really listen to the album tracks until the last few years. But uh, um, So, yeah, I'm right there with you. All right. Number 11, a band that, that you're big into, Van Halen, Diver Down. And uh, a lot of people don't like Diver Down, and I'm not one of those people. I really, I really did. <laughs> <laughs> and so, a little bit of the backstory, if you don't know, and I'm not the biggest Van Halen fan, and I'm probably the wrong person to be telling the backstory. But okay, at this time, they did not want to do an album. They did not want to do another album. They put out Pretty Woman after was it the baby was the Fair Warning tour? Am I right? Was that the album? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, That's so right. yep, they put out um, Pretty Woman. And just to kind of bite them some time so they could kind of chill out and, and make a new album and all that kind of stuff. And Pretty Woman just blew up on the charts. It was big. Record companies like, dudes, we need an album from you right away. So that's why when you look at this album, maybe as a whole, it's a little disjointed or there's a, it's pretty, yeah. pretty cover heavy. You know, the co- there's a lot of covers. But, man, I don't even care. The covers are so good. Like, uh, freaking Pretty Woman, Dancing in the Streets. The, that guitar work in Dancing in the Streets, it's so it's so unique, man. That's what the cool thing is. Like, they're doing covers, but they're just annihilating them and doing them their own way, you know? And uh, yeah. Where Have All the Good Times Gone is, is probably a song that a lot of people don't know that much beyond Van Halen, but it is another Kinks cover. And But the, here's here's what I like, man. I think that the songs that they do that are the originals, they're pretty creative. And I think they display like all the things that just make Van Halen great. Like when you think of the song like Secrets, you know, you've got just Roth being all chilled with his interesting lyrics and his vibe. Eddie's <laughs> doing great guitars. It's got the harmonies, the drums. I mean, everything's there. And it's cool because it's not like overdone. You know, like you can hear everything really crisp and clear. It just sounds like four dudes jamming, you know what I mean? Like it's not just overdone. And I think the other tune that is, that always stands out to me is um, Little Guitars. You know what I mean? Senorita. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, dude, they're really creative on this. So some people don't like this album, but I think it really showcases how unique they are. Even like I said, with something like with Dancing in the Streets, uh, the way Roth owns that song, the way Eddie makes it into something all of his own. And then the backups with Michael Anty and everything. I don't know. And I love a lot of those goofy songs that they do. Like it's got Big Bad uh, Bill is Sweet William now. And uh, yeah. I, I love that because that goes back to Ice Cream Man. And I, I've always loved when Queen and the Beatles do all those weird 1920s, 40s, 30s. I don't know what era they're in, but they're not of uh, of my era. you know. But, but I, find them, I find them fun and, and, and catchy and stuff. So great album. I think it's. I think their creativity is on high here. Even though they weren't really ready to make an album, I think they they made a nice effort. So that's what I got. God, for years I was just I was like told to stay away from this album, <laughs> and I did, and I did, and I did, and then I didn't, and I thought it, I, I pretty much thought the same thing you did. Like super creative. You could tell it was kind of like. Well, it was sold as a filler. Like, you know, mm-hmm. throw it out there. We're so big right now. Throw it out there for summer or Christmas or whatever. Yep. Um, but, yeah, in in the years, I've, I've gotten used to it, and I, I, you pretty much nailed it. I don't love Pretty Woman at this point, but... Yeah, it's a little... Cause I, cause I, you know, because I've heard it <laughs> so much, but, yeah, the rest of it's pretty cool and creative. They did their own spin on things, so I, I definitely dig it. Yeah. All right, man. Number 10. 
Oh, what a perfect time to talk about Sammy Hager. <laughs> <laughs> I got Standing Hampton from 1982, and uh, I got the four epic songs, you know, One Way to Rock, Heavy Metal, Baby's on Fire, and I'll Fall in Love Again. And the rest I could honestly do without. <laughs> and as much as I preach this guy, and I preach Van Hagar, there are honestly about 10 Sammy solo songs that I really like. And uh, but these were it was enough here to put it at number ten because um, it set the tone. It was it was what's to come in the eighties, really. What like uh, one way to rock? I mean, it was fucking. There was some balls there. So I definitely wanted to include this album. And uh, if it were a top ten, I'd kick off the list with it. But hey, it's right there. No, top ten. You know, I'm not a big Sammy guy, but I actually. Uh... The first two songs you mentioned, I actually don't mind those songs. So those, those aren't bad. Yeah. Yeah. He's got a couple already songs. I'll give him that. There you go. <laughs> All right. Number 10. If I had to base this list on what has been going on the past couple weeks in my car, then this would be number one on my list. But I okay. have to take all things into consideration, and and I have to put it here. Man, I got Iron Maiden, Peace of Mind, jamming on this album. Like I said, okay, real quick story. I found this. I was, I don't know, every once in a while I'm digging around like somewhere like my garage or in the cellar and I'll find like an MP3 CD. You know, that was like a thing, you know, yeah. 10, 15 years ago, I do an MP3 CD because you could fit more stuff on it, right? So totally. obviously cars, if you still have a car that has a disc player, it has the capability of playing an MP3 CD. So I found this CD. And the CD's got, uh, see if I can remember, it's got The Last Command by Wasp, it has mm -hmm. Electric Circus by Wasp, it has Peace of Mind by Maiden, I think it's got Fear of the Dark, the two albums that he did, they did with uh, Blaze Bailey, maybe there's something else <laughs> on there. But So I've been rocking out this CD for maybe two, three weeks, you know, and my travels back and forth. But for some reason, I can't get away from peace of mind. Like, I keep jamming on peace of mind. And I think I might nice. have sent you some stuff the other, the other night because to me, it was like, I feel like it kind of gets overshadowed because most people, self included, spoiler, it will come up. A Number of the Beasts is probably their best album, and I love that album. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then a lot of people really hyped it on Power Slave and, and stuff that comes after. So Peace of Mind kind of gets lost in the mix. And what I like about Peace of Mind is it's it's pretty catchy. A lot of great melodies. They haven't really delved into the super long songs too much on this album. There might maybe the last song is long, but for the most part, these are shorter tunes. I know I don't think you're a big dude into like the longer songs. I know I'm not. You know what I mean? Like just. Just get the point right, across yeah. and, and get it done. But I think it's great, man. Flight of Icarus is such a great song. It, that's probably the most well-known song on the album. But there's some real sleepers that are catchy as hell, man. Sun and Steel. And even a lot of people hate it, but I love it. Quest for Fire. Because it's so goofy. Because it talks about prehistoric man <laughs> discovering fire. <laughs> it's almost like dork rock or nerd rock. You know what I mean? It's like stuff <laughs> that you shouldn't talk about in rock and metal. But for some reason... They pull it off, and, and it's it's kind of catchy and fun. And then Still Life, it, it's just uh, kind of a weird song. It starts off with some backward talking, and it's about, like, nightmares and stuff and, and dreams. But just a great album. I've been on a real kick with it. I'll leave it there, but I'm, I'm really hyped on this album lately. Well, in regards to Quest for Fire, Bruce is the most interesting man in the universe, so he would 
<laughs> he would bring this one up. If he wrote it. <laughs> he I don't know. Maybe Steve – maybe it was written by Steve Harris. Maybe – I don't know who wrote the lyrics, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, I, I almost wonder, like, if sometimes they just – they can't – they got nothing. Because, the, you know, let's face it. Most of the bands that we're talking about, they're going to go the sex tune route, right? That's 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 where most of these guys totally. are going. But Maiden, you know, they're they're they think they're thinking man metal. They they're going outside of the box, you know. So you know, maybe they were maybe one day Harris or Dickinson was watching the like a History Channel or a documentary, and he said, "I think it'd be great to write a metal song about how prehistoric man discovered fire." So there it is. <laughs> okay, exactly. And they're British, you know. But, British people they got different outlooks on stuff. That's all I'm gonna say. I think that. The, this is an uh, overlooked album because the artwork is so simple. Oh my god, the artwork is so good. <laughs> you know, that's one thing. Maiden, I mean, wow. How do you how do you rank them? Because there's just so many good album covers by these guys. Oh man, they're the kings of it. All right, dude, number nine. Cool. Here's where I got Black Sabbath, Heaven and Hell from 1980. Ooh, yeah, yeah. I wrestled so with is... I wrestled with this one. It's another one that I think between this and the Priest, I kind of wrestled with. But yeah, glad you did it. Yeah, dude. Uh, Dio Sabbath. I'm an 80s Sabbath guy. I'm in the minority of uh, digging every other singer they had a ton more than Ozzy. <laughs> but. <laughs> I understand. I totally get that the idea and the, the, the timing, the early Sabbath was, was there. And uh, Ozzy's got a place, obviously. But um, Dio's voice is just insane. And it was just, it was a tough one between this and Mob Rules. But yeah. this set the tone. And, yeah, this set the tone. And there's like just major classics on this one. And they they even created a band out of the title Heaven and Hell. So yep. long live Dio. This album's great. And uh, deal really is, is showcased well. Yeah. Love Neon Knights. Love Lady Evil. Uh, obviously the title track. So, yeah, I'm with you. Just another one that, you know, I think I fell into the same trap as with Priest. Is like I had I had a CD that was like Sabbath, the Dio years, and was really into it. But like I said, I probably only had a chunk of that album that I was listening to, not the full thing. So never gave the full thing enough attention, which, you know, maybe I need to do. All right. Number nine, this is going to be cause controversy with probably some people because they might not even consider it a rock album at all because of Ooh, the nature of it. But it's a band that I'm, it's up there. Like, you know, they're one of my favorite bands. They're not my favorite band, but they're up there high. man hot space and hot space is a weird album because it's queen really um trying something different you know they're they're implementing electronics and dance and new wave and pop and all you know all that they've always dabbled in pop but they you know they were they were trying to grow as a band and uh, in turn you know they've kind of they're kind of all over the place with this one because you get some stuff that's really electronic and, and trying to be dancey and stuff and, and let's face it some people call it like a disco album but like disco was done in 82 really yeah. so it's not really a disco album it's more of like a european dance type stuff that they're shooting for but i think there's times where it really works and and at the end of the day they write great melodies they're great musicians so there's a lot of cool things that are there so if you've avoided this album like the plague which a lot of people have i'm going to tell you the songs that you should probably check out first song that you should check out 
is put out the fire because that's just a straight up Brian May song. It's 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 heavier rock, you know. It's weird because it's a it's a kind of about gun control and hmm. something you hear a lot about today, but I don't remember anybody talking about gun control in '82. But so right. Queen, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna get political. I never do. But uh, you know, Queen was was putting it out there before anybody. Uh, cool Cat is a great jazzy song. Um, and it's used in a commercial for Amazon not too long ago. There's like this girl that tries to emulate Freddie Mercury, and, and it's just the most random song. I think Amazon probably got this song cheap because this album, you know, bombed or whatever. But um, <laughs> Dancer's great. That's another one. It's got like a it's like a hybrid rock dance type of a thing. Uh, I hate Staying Power, the first song. I hate Body Language, which was a single. Uh, Action This Day is pretty cool. Then there's some cool stuff. Like, you got your typical Queen ballads. There's one song that they dedicated to Lennon called Life is Real. And uh, it's mm-hmm. pretty emotional. It's, it's a pretty damn good song, man. Like, that, that'll that pull on your heartstrings. Uh, Las Parablas Mi Amor or something like that. It's like a, it's like a <laughs> Spanish song, uh, titled song, but it's really, really good. So some of those songs have that piano, old school Queen vibe. Half of it doesn't. And, you know, just to give you a little, you know, how did we get to this album? And, and it's another album that will show up on my list. But you know, another one, Boys to Dust, was just so big, and it. I think that kind of got into their heads a little bit. Like, oh, we need more of that dance music, you know, that that kind of stuff. So, and I guess Freddie was hanging out at these like dance clubs in Europe, and he was he was getting into this <laughs> sound and stuff. So, you know, at the end, there's two more. Th- I hate I hate to go on crazy about this album, but there's two more things I gotta mention. You gotta give Queen credit though, because they just did whatever the hell they wanted. You know what I mean? Like people could let's say this album say, oh, this album sucks, and well, why did they do that? But they didn't give a shit. And the sad part is, is when you go to the next album after this, which is the works. The works is a complete copycat of the game. So you know, somewhere along the line, somebody told Queen is like, "Hey guys, you got to go back to the old formula because you know you didn't have as much success." And another thing that I've read that I'm going to touch on more as we go is that Michael Jackson was a big fan of Hot Space, and that he ripped off some of the you know the rock and dance together elements for Thriller. So I'll leave it there. Uh-huh. So, All so right. maybe an important album for pop music, just not a good one for Queen. Just didn't do a lot for Queen. So I don't know the album. I don't know it at all. You probably won't I, like, I you wouldn't like it. it. You probably wouldn't like it. You got you got to be like really. You got to be weird. <laughs> you got to be into Queen. You got to <laughs> like Queen, and you got to be willing to take some chances to be, be into this album. So, but I'll right. give it a shot. I mean, like, dude. The, the guitar work and the voice and there's there's no denying it so it's there like, like I said sometimes you'll get like yeah, a song that's I'll got like it it's kind of dancey but then it's got that huge melodic solo with Brian May you know what I mean so I, I mean they're in there you just gotta you gotta look a little harder to, to hear it but it, they're there you know the, the old school stuff is there so totally alright that, I had to go on a rant about that album because I, I do really like it and, and I, I respect that they, they tried something new so um, oh, dude, yeah, well deserved. All right, number eight for you. What you got? All right, here's where I got Van Halen. I got Fair Warning from 1981. Nice. So I was thinking about this. Like, imagine putting on this record for the first time in 81 and hearing the intro to Mean Street. Yep. And just going, dude, this is epic. Like, God, Eddie's so masterful. So every song except I'm not a big fan of Push Comes to Shove. <laughs> kind of a weird one, but it's 
the rest of it's really uh, David Lee and Eddie Gold together, and you can't deny Unchained as a giant no. hit and a classic ripper. So um, it's probably my favorite David Lee Roth look too. Like he just he was just doing that that Vince Neil what's to come look going on in eighty mm-hmm. one, and yep. he was still he was still like a weird rock star, but not weird like out there rock star like he is from like 90 until now just kind of like eh. <laughs> he wasn't creepy <laughs> kind of a, yeah exactly he just he got so so super smart you know talented guy super smart but gosh he's out there so he was still rock star at this point and and really loving himself <laughs> yep. so uh yeah i love this album and, and this and um what's the other one uh women and children yeah uh i kind of like discovered these later on in my rock and roll ventures and, and they were like new albums to me at the time and i was like whoa these are both really good roth era albums so uh, but i chose this one it's got a few more songs that i like so uh yeah fair warning i gotta go back and try to get back into it for some reason i really like the first two van halen albums and then i kind of like zone out and then i'm back for diver down so i don't know what it is about those two albums i've got i mean of course i know the the main big songs you know what i mean but i gotta yeah i gotta give them another chance i gotta i gotta go back yeah i mean there's some really good sleepers on there like dirty moves sinner swing hear about it later um so this is love stuff like that it, it's stuff you've heard but um it was cool to revisit those again because it had been a while and i really really was going back to my rough phase with those songs. Mm-hmm. What's funny for number eight, I feel like sometimes when I do these lists, there's always these old favorites that come back that have been on other lists. And I uh-huh. think of the Scorpions list that we did, and this album was definitely on there. And the Scorpions, Animal Magnetism, it, it's up there. Mm-hmm. One that I really like. And I think when we when we talked about this album, we did mention there was some elements that um, maybe were a little out of its time. You know what I mean? Like that that intro to falling in love kind of sounds like the way Down Boys does in the beginning. You know, so it's almost like Scorps were kind of laying down the groundwork for the hair metal stuff. But I love like Make It Real, Falling in Love. Oh yeah. Don't make no promises. Your body can't keep. <laughs> what a yeah. great song, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, then you get you always get that trippy, weird, slower type song with Lady Starlight, and uh, I, you know, of course, the Zoo was the big song on here. But not, not Zoo ain't one of my favorites, man. I like all everything that comes before it. Uh, just really good, catchy stuff, and, and like I said, super voice and talented musicians. So that's where I got Animal Magnetism. Yeah, you can't deny falling in love, dude. That was what set the tone for the Americanized Scorpions that was to come. (laughs) Oh, for sure. All right, number seven. Okay, here's where I got Dio, Holy Diver from 1983. So uh, you got to love solo Dio. He did everything his way, and uh, the world was better for it. (laughs) And uh, as I was going through the list, I realized what a great – like I said earlier, like a, like a foundation this era was. And it was just that, that early 80s that you got albums like these ones that just, that, and, and then what I got coming on the list, but it, it really set the tone. And regarding this specifically, you got those really deep hooks, and then you got the voice of Dio that it's showcased when it goes super high, like the intro to Don't Talk to Strangers, and then he, when he starts to like growl when he gets higher, it's just, 
he's just got such a unique, awesome um, a voice with with so much range that uh, you can't deny it. So I don't I don't get sick of any songs on this album. I just let it play. So uh, anytime Dio comes on, the diversity of this guy's voice is just awesome, and I let it play. Nice. Uh, I love. I love Dio. Uh, I've always said that, you know, just because of when I was born, I got into uh, Dio a little bit later, like around Dream Evil and on. So those yeah. are the albums that I, I, I like because I, I just, those were the ones that when I came, you know, out when I, uh, they were out when I came out. No, they were out when I was getting into music. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, those, I mean, I got no problems with, with the, the first two Dio albums. They're just not ones that I go to a lot. That's all. So, but, but I appreciate them. And if I hear them, you know, any of that stuff, I, I love it. So, yeah. And he's, well, he's just a great I will, singer. I, as a shout out, though, you did talk about Blood from Stone from Strange Highways recently. Yeah, and it came on. It came on random recently on my Spotify. Suggested this and that, and I went, "What the hell? What album is this from?" And I went, "Oh yeah, yeah." So you nailed that one, dude. That's a good Blood song. From Stone. I love yeah, that strange highways. Yeah. <laughs> All right, but uh, okay, so but we're, we're, that's that's way that's way ahead in the future. We, we can't talk about that. <laughs> way ahead. That's way Ten ahead. Years. All right. So for number seven, this is where I got made in. Number of the Beast, man. I, I can't, I can't fault this album. This is, uh, you know, this is Bruce coming on board, and I think he just took this band to a whole new level. Nothing against Paul Diano, and and, uh, and I think mm-hmm. some of that stuff's good. But I mean, come on. I think they found the right voice for that, you know, interesting, intricate music that they perform. And, you know, right out of the gate, I freaking love Invaders. It's just, the, you know, the first song, it's just talking about that battle, the big battle, the you know, coming in and uh, invading another territory. You know, a lot of that, back to that nerd nerd shit that they like to talk about. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and, you know, still very catchy, you know, songs like The Prisoner and a 22 Acacia Avenue. And, you know, obviously Run to the Hills and Number of the Beasts are, are the big songs that you know off of that. Uh, and it ends, and I'm not always an epic song guy, but, man, Hallowed Be Thy Name about the guy that has to go to the gallows pole and get hung. What an epic track. So, yeah, I, I just love this album. And, you know, it's another one of those ones where it's not overdone. It's really crisp. You can hear all the instruments. Uh, everything's really tight and together, but it's not overproduced or anything. So, just a great album. Probably will always be my favorite Maiden, but uh, I like I like quite a bit of their albums. So, I'm a Maiden guy. Yeah. So, yeah, that's what I got. Good choice, dude. Good choice. Uh, like the ones I gravitate towards are this, and then later on in the career. But uh, awesome choice. Nice. All right, what you got next? Six. Number six. Got my boys in Y&T with Black Tiger from 1982. Nice. And this is tough because they went 81, 82, 83 with three solid albums that they're really known for. But Black Tiger went out for me because of the consistency. Mm-hmm. And the uh, there, there's some really good album tracks on there. But uh, Black Tiger, Open Fire, um, those are obviously like kind of hits. They still play and whatnot. But um, also the song Forever... It's, I think it's way ahead of its time, and it's a, a full-on anthem for hard rock. It's got a little bit of everything. Total hard rocker. Showcases his voice and the guitar work. Um, the song Barroom Boogie is up there with some of the wittiest storytelling album or, uh, songs of all time, especially live. They alter it live, and it's really cool and funny, but it's a great song. But anyway, I love YT. Um, this is kind of their wheelhouse in the early 80s, but like... 
we've talked about before. I'm a big, uh, you know, mid, late 80s, early 90s Y&T guy as well. Um, probably bigger than this era, but this is what they're known for in terms of what they still play live and uh, what's on the radio and um, rescue me from this uh, from this era. But anyway, so Black Tiger, killer artwork, killer band, underrated, and um, really can't deny this one. Nice. I know you're a big Y&T guy. Uh, I've never been big into them. Maybe, maybe just that one album, Contagious. So, yeah, I've yeah. never... I've tried. Dude, good I've tried. choice, though. I've tried. Good choice. <laughs> uh, all right, number six. And, yeah. and I'm very surprised that I have this album where I have it. It is what it is. Shout out to Double. And oh my god the, <laughs> so oh. I, I love it I mean there, I mean at this point going in I mean this is all this is all heavy it's all big big ones all heavy hitters for me but I, I just felt that this is where this album needed to go it's a, it's a great album the, the one thing I, this is the thing I only sat back and it's not a bad thing but this is my only thing with, with this album it doesn't there's no other album that sounds like this by them really right and I think it's them dabbling into just straight up metal, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? That that, but, but like I said, this really, this is it. You know, I don't, I don't know if I can't really. Maybe uh, Theater of Pain has a little bit of this going on for a couple songs, but those were probably just leftovers from this album, anyways. But I mean, it, it's great. I mean, Vince, this is where I think he finds his voice. You know, in the band, I think he sounds his yeah. best here. Although that it may be. Tom Worman helping him out, layering it, uh, you know, ten times to make it sound pretty full. I don't know. Tom Worman's out making the rounds for his new book, so he, he'll, <laughs> probably, he'll probably tell you about all the overdubs and stuff. But you know, I That's mean, right. what am I gonna say? I, I mean, "Looks to Kill" is probably my favorite Crew song. Too young to fall in love. You know, I love the whole thing, man. Bastard, Danger is another one of my favorites. Just that kind of morbid, dark uh, closer. You know, so like I said, this is an album I don't probably need to spend a lot of time on. It's just, it's just that shell shock of, of where it's placed for some people. So number six, shout out to Devil. Wow, I figured it would be up there, um, either number one, number two, number three. But um, I'll hold off on what I have to say because it's coming. But oh yeah, I I thought I thought my placement was low. Oh. Here's you putting it number six. <laughs> I know. Yeah, the problem, too, is like, you know, we are working with a pretty uh, broad uh, base here from 80 to 83. If it was just 83, yes. this would probably would be number one. But since right. we're working with, you know, a couple other years here, so eh, it's the way the cookie crumbles, I guess. I will say, like, the Vince's voice thing, I was listening to their uh, new uh, Shout the Devil 40th anniversary release. And there were some pretty cool demos of Shout and Looks at Kill and then um, Hotter Than Hell versus Louder Than Hell yeah. on there. And it was cool to hear Vince really climb the ladder in the range world. And, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a novice. I don't know if they were dubbing it in on the demos, but, dude, he was climbing the ladder and, and hitting that upper register, and I was really impressed. So who knows? Maybe um, – Maybe there wasn't too many overdubs, and that was the one and only time Vince actually hit the notes to uh, shout at the devil. <laughs> no, I think no, I think his range is there. I think they just, I think they, it sounded like they layered it a bit to and cut it up I and see. stuff. It just yeah. took like the best performances, and then just I don't think they did anything out of the ordinary. 
Uh, but I, I sounded like there was one interview I, I, I listened to with him, and it did kind of sound like they really Frankenstein, you know, the 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 stuff together. You know what I mean? Because he would he'd go yeah. in for a day, and you know, he was out all night, and his voice could only do one song or a couple takes, and then they would just kind of chop that up and make it, you know, what you hear on the album. So no, no, I think his range was always was there, especially in those first few albums. Of course, definitely. Totally. Number what? Five? You're five. Mm, five, yep. Number five. Okay, here's where I got Scorpions and I got Blackout from 82. Yeah. That's, and, a, good one. That's um, a good one. Yeah, to me, this is basically like, almost like a greatest hits. <laughs> yep. But um, this was my number three album on the Scorpions episode we did, and it's just pure hard rock. They, Like I said, they, they kind of turned Americanized <laughs> yep. with Falling in Love, and they, they kind of turned it up a notch from here up through uh, Face the Heat. But, um, they just deliver, dude. Like, can't live without you. Um, no one like you. Blackout. Countless tracks that stand next to the singles are, are played live still. Uh, Arizona, China White, When the Smoke is Going Down. I really like those as well. And they're not played live. They're not on any greatest hits or whatever. But I I can't deny can't live, man. The, the intro, the mm-hmm. simplicity, the perfection. It's probably my favorite song on the album, actually. Um, but album covers killer. It's everything about this album. I just I dig, man. There's there's nothing wrong with this thing. Nope. Uh, you know I, I I dabbled with it. Um, Dynamite is one that I really enjoy. But uh, and all the other ones you mentioned. It's a great album. I mean there there you no know, there's there's no disputing it. It's just just the way it, it shook out. I just I don't have it on here. Totally get it. All right, number five. The only way this could ever come. <laughs> Come before Motley Crue, shout the devil, is if you just are a real nutbag for this band. This album, and that's where we got Kiss Unmasked. And, uh, you know, it's a weak offering. It'd be another one where somebody would say, dude. <laughs> This is you're pushing it to say this is even a rock or a metal album, but uh, it's Kiss. You know there there are some a little no I, don't, I can't really say there's too many happy moments on this album. Uh, maybe is that you has a little crunchiness as the first song on it, and that's actually them doing somebody else's song. It's not even they didn't even write that song. Uh, there's a lot of um, it's a little bit of disco left over. I wouldn't say there's much more. Really, just eight early '80s pop is what's dominating this thing. But it's so well done, you know. It's a little, it's a little thin, a little tinty sounding. But um, I would love to hear it like remixed with some more balls, just to see what it would, would uh-huh. be like. But it, you know, Ace Frehley's on the top of his game here. He's got like three songs that he sings, and one was a single, "Talk to Me." The first single is very it was like a slower, softer tune called "Shandy," but it's so good. It's so catchy by Paul. Uh, there's some real oddball stuff like "Naked City" by Gene, almost like he's going that reggae-ish police type baseline in there. It's it's definitely unique. "She's So European" is, is a pretty cool tune on here. Another Gene uh, opus. Uh, found out uh, or what makes the world go round. It's just tomorrow. It also is just a great Paul song. So just great stuff. I love this era. I think I'm just a sucker for this. Like it's like the Vegas Kiss. They're all wearing colorful costumes, and you know they're like they're kid friendly. I don't know what it is, man. It's like there's a lot of people refer to it as Super Kiss or or Superhero Kiss at this moment with the capes and everything. But 
it's just a fun era. They they weren't their their popularity was fading in the United States, but they went over to Australia and and dealt with like hysteria, like almost similar to what happened to the Beatles when they came to America. So uh, it's just a cool era era to go back and and watch. Uh, one notable thing, if you're not big into Kiss, you might not know this, is that Peter Chris did not play on the album. He's pictured oh. on the cover. Uh, Anton Fig. Uh, who was part of David Letterman's band, who played on uh, Ace Frehley's solo album, did the drumming, also the album prior. And during this album's run is when Eric Carr is hired and he's he's made the new drummer. And if you just ever want to see this band on full throttle, on fire, just watch him in Australia with Eric Carr because he just brought new life to the songs and everything. So just uh, it, it's it's probably a package deal, like the look and the vibe and all the nostalgia and everything that goes with it. Uh, but I, I do really like this album. And I guess if you you know, you know put a gun to my head and you made me pick Shout Out the Devil or Unmasked, just because of all that warm and cozy stuff I just talked about, I would I would go with Unmasked. So. Love the addition of Eric Carr, man. He, he was such a uh, cool, um, nice guy, respectable. The yep. guys seemed to really get on with him. I, I think he would have lasted the duration up through now had he not passed away. What a good guy yeah. and, a, and a, a, tal- a talented guy. So Yeah. Cool. cool Even addition. if he didn't last in Kiss... I think he would have been uh, successful because as another, you know, it, 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 for you not being a big Kiss guy, there was trouble. There was trouble brewing uh, probably totally. the few years before his, he, his death. He, he wasn't in good graces in the band. So so I don't I don't think he would have lasted personally in Kiss, but um, I would have loved to have seen what he could have done. I would have loved to have seen him um, sing, you know, and, and get his songs out there. So Awesome. All right, man. Number four. Okay. Well... These top four could have legitimately been in any or all of the other's spots, depending on the mood I'm in. <laughs> but here's where I have Motley, Shout of the Devil, gotcha. 1983. Yeah. All right, so we weren't too far away from each other. We weren't, but, dude, yeah, this, in if it were 83, it would have been a toss-up. But, uh, yeah, it's it was tough. These top four are huge for me. But um, so many bands on this list are my, like, kind of go-to or fallback bands or albums but there's not much i could say about shout the devil that hasn't been brought up before or hasn't been discussed already but i can kind of like kind of like with your book you kind of tell my story and mm-hmm. i don't think there are many other tapes that i really cranked harder than this this was like my go-to like pre-game football baseball lifting weights going out with the fellas you know all all that stuff it was just like my pre anything i wanted to be badass for Baseball, football, lifting, all that shit. It was all testosterone-based, drug-induced booze, just sexy killer music, you know. I wasn't doing it. They were. They could supply it for me. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it was just running through their veins in 83. So, I don't know. This is just the epitome of Motley. And it's really cool because I have the fold-out LP with uh, the... uh, was it the pentagram on the on the cover? Yeah, that inside versus is the four guys. Yeah, and like you you fold it out, and it's the four guys with like the the full full page, if you will, uh, pictures of themselves. But it has like the original fan club flyer and the bumper sticker and all this cool stuff in the album. That's probably worth some money, but I've never part with it. It's I don't know where I got it, but uh, I really like that, and it used to be up on my wall. <laughs> Pretty. Uh, Pretty killer artwork. So anyway, um, 
that's where I got Motley, number four. Yeah, man. They, it is, it's, it's, it's golden. All right, number four. They had a couple albums, maybe just two. I think just two out in this time frame. But one didn't make the list. One did. Uh, band I'm always preaching, always talking about. Their debut. Man of War, Battle Hymns, and this album is epic, man. These dudes are right out of the gate. The, the only drawback to this album is the sound quality. The sound quality just didn't catch up uh, to them until maybe they got on Atlantic Records uh, with Fighting the World, but um, the songs are, are up there with some of their best. And what's funny is if, if, if I were to tell you, and this is probably the best way to, to explain this, is that if I were to, to, to tell you to like listen to this album, because I don't know if you ever have, you know and what you know about Manowar being like a heavy band and the warrior music and all that kind of stuff. You, I think you would be surprised by the first couple songs because they're probably verging more on hard rock than they are on heavy metal, which seems weird, you know, coming from Manowar. But you know, it starts off and they're really playing the the biker role and the rebel stuff. You know, a lot, a lot of that kind of theme stuff. Where before, like now, if Manowar does anything, it's always got to be about warriors and Odin. The earlier mm-hmm. stuff I actually prefer because the album always kind of goes in a, a trajectory. Like it starts off where there's songs about metal and rock and, and badass biker guys, and then it then it would get to the end, and then we got our epic warrior tracks, and, and that's the way that Battle Hymns is structured. And it's just it's just great, man. Like Death Tone. There's one song called Shell Shock. You know, it, once you know, once again, big thing in the early '80s talking about like guys coming home from Vietnam, you know, being all screwed up yeah. and stuff. Like they they kind of touched on some interesting shit back on their earlier albums that they never really did again. Dark Avenger, not a like I said, not a big long song, epic song guy, but this is one that I enjoy. It is about a dude who. Um, who was killed, like a warrior guy who's killed, and then somehow he ends up in hell or something, uh, and he and he's given powers and he's given a demon horse, and he comes back and he just annihilates everybody that screwed him over earlier. <laughs> and, uh, and and the cool thing is that Orson Welles, you know, Mister War of the Worlds, he does this yeah. interesting. He, just, he basically does a little voiceover. He tells the story of this guy, the Dark Avenger, and it, it's just uh, it's very epic album. It ends with the song Battle Hymn, which is another pretty epic, uh, pretty epic tune. But just a great album. Uh, I, I, oh, forgot to mention, there's a song called Man of War. On there about them, oh, that's right. about how yeah. they form, yeah. and uh, no, just a great album. I love it. They've um, they've remastered this album. It sounds pretty decent. They re-recorded this album. Not the greatest idea, but it's it's okay. So it's an album that you know they still play songs uh, in their set to the to this day, and just showcasing all the talent. But always, always, always the talent that will outshine any of them is Eric Adams. And he is somebody who had it right out of the gate. You know, we talk about like Vince, just he, he didn't really have it maybe on the, you know, Too Fast for Love, but he sounded better on Shot the Devil. Eric Adams, right out of the gate, sounded amazing. Dude, I have them all. This is the one that I probably haven't haven't listened to as much. But anything with an eagle with a six-pack, <laughs> yeah. hey, man. Come on. That's up my alley. Yeah, man. It's pretty <laughs> epic. It's pretty bold. Bold statement. Uh, all oh, right. Man. Number three. All right. So we're going straight to my go-to guys here. Disclaimer. We got Motley. Check that box. Now we got Crocus. I got 
Head Hunter yeah. in 1983. <laughs> so these guys were tough because they had 80, 81, 82, 83. But this is arguably arguably my favorite Crocus album. And it's much like Shout of the Devil where they got really pissed and peaked in their perfect blend of hard rocks with those hardest shit hooks in there. So um, Headhunter and the Song was the first Crocus song that I'd ever heard. And, and as a, a Bon Scott faithful, I was in awe of the similarities and immediately hooked because of it. So I went on a major Crocus bender and never really stopped. But uh, these were their years here, and um, they, they peaked sales-wise and... Some may say that this was their their peak of uh, songwriting ability. So um, Rob Halford makes an appearance on the song Ready to Burn in the chorus. And check that chorus out. You'll hear him now that I've, I've said something. And uh, so some of the album tracks, um, Night Wolf and Stand and Be Counted. And again, I could play this album through and uh, I just let it go. Every song to me is just a masterpiece. So. Crocus up nice. there, number three. No, no surprises. You're a big Crocus guy. Now, is Screaming in the Night isn't on that album? Is that on its own album? It, no, that's the album. This is the one. Oh, this is the one. Oh, I love that song. I like that song. So, <laughs> that's okay. right. All right, number three. They're back, and they got to put Queen, the game, man. The 1980. Uh-huh. It is like probably their biggest album of all time in the United States, and, and you know it's it's so varied. You know, and this is kind of the end. Uh, of Queen kind of dabbling, you know, into all these different styles. I think, it, um, I think this was this is like a bookend, you know, to, to their success in the United States, to maybe them dabbling in a lot of different styles, and also to like them allowing other people to sing. Like Brian May sings a song on here, and uh, Roger Taylor does too. But um, yeah, the song pl- "Play the Game" is just amazing. Obviously, we've got another one, "Bites the Dust." We've got a crazy little thing called Love, you know, massive hits. Uh, Need Your Lovin' is a pretty cool rock song, like maybe a little bit of a classic rock type of a deal. And there's some times where you've got, you know, dance and, and funkiness coming into this album. Uh, Dragon Attack, I just want to talk about really quick, because that song is very funky, but but very rocky, though, too. You know what I mean? So they're, once again, they're, they're still staying pretty hard rock, but there's some funk and stuff going on there. But I think the thing I want to mention about Dragon Attack, and I, I would have everybody, if they wanted to, or if they haven't heard it, listen to it. And I mentioned how Michael Jackson, I think, ripped off some Queen stuff. I think Michael mm-hmm. Jackson got his complete shtick from Dragon Attack. Because if you Ooh. if you listen to... If you not, not, I'm just saying a big piece of it. Because if you listen to Jackson like in '79 and Off the Wall, he's got kind of like a softer voice, right? And then as Jackson went along, especially like when he got to like the Bad album, he definitely tried to be more like a, like macho, even though it's very hard for him to be that way. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But but like and more like more rasp and stuff to his voice. And I think he totally ripped it off from Freddie Mercury because there's this one part in Dragon Attack. Oh, you know, and that and me by saying that, you probably think Michael Jackson, right? But, Dude, yeah, exactly. Okay, no, Freddie Mercury. I'm telling you right now that Jackson ripped a big part of his whole thing 
from Freddie Mercury. Because if you listen to early Jackson when he was a little kid and even into Off the Wall and stuff, he's he's got more of a straightforward, softer voice. As soon as this album comes out, I, mean, I could be wrong, but you know, you keep going along to like from Thriller to to Bad and even especially on like Dangerous. Man, I'm just kind of showing that I'm like a closet Jackson fan. Uh-oh, I'm going to lose some followers. <laughs> um, but I, I think he really ripped off a lot from Freddie Mercury. So, yeah, so obviously, you know, The Game, huge album, probably their biggest one in, in the United States. Uh, a lot of cool stuff going on there. And if, like I said, if you've been on the fence about Queen or you're not big into that kind of stuff, give it a listen because it, it, that's kind of like you said when you were saying like it's you've said a couple different people it's like their greatest hits like with scorpions and stuff that's how right. that's how this album is so so i got some some conspiracy theory going on here and <laughs> i'll just leave it i at actually that. know this album really well this is one that used to be in my mom's uh 89 honda accord that <laughs> this is one of the tapes that we had so this was uh the one that we would play through and through going over to see my grandparents. So um, <laughs> I know this album well. Yeah, it's a cool album. And when you said that that line, it sounded exactly like Michael Jackson. So now I'm like fully into this conspiracy theory. Yeah. yeah. And then the last thing that I've... Okay, I just saw one of my notes and I got to mention this. So in theory, okay, based on what kind of talent is in this band, songwriting-wise and in their musicianship, this should be number one. But because I just like, you know, like other bands, just I like the bands better, it's not number one. But I think in theory, this should be number one. So, there you go. I see. Yeah. Yeah, I can't knock that. All right. Number two. Number two, predictable. Def Leppard, Pyromania, 1983. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so now I totally well, know a number. I definitely know what number one is. Okay. Right. right. It's it's Sammy Hager's other album from this era. No, I'm just <laughs> But uh, <laughs> so, all right. So some may pull the predictable card and avoid the pyromanias and the hysterias and go right with the first two Def Leppard albums and go with that whole Eddie Trunk bullshit. But I love <laughs> these two albums. And I love High and Dry. I really do. But with Pyromania, Leopard really found their sound. And they also kind of found the sound of what was to come with kind of more polished 80s hard rock. So um, my boy Phil joined the group. They had 10 million sales, uh, four singles on this album. Um, uh, Some of the non-singles and album tracks, Billy's Got a Gun, Coming Under Fire, Die Hard the Hunter, they're kind of the sleepers, but um, they're, they're kind of overshadowed, but like so many of the songs off Hysteria and Retroactive, these songs would have been any other, not any other, but a lot of other bands' crown jewels had they not been on an album as monstrous as Pyromania or Hysteria. So, um, But they're played live, and they're, they sound great. Um, I got to throw a shout-out to the song Action Not Words. If you look up like melodic hard rock in the encyclopedia, it might just be this song. Like it's, it's perfect. I love action, not words. It's, it's one of my go-to sleepers on this album. So do I listen to it? I, I never turn off photograph. I never turn off um, rock of ages. Fooling. I kind of turn off sometimes, but I don't hate it at all. I just, I don't love it as much as photograph and rock of ages of the hits too late for love. I really like, so, um, cool album artwork. And, um, really set the groundwork for these guys. 
You know I'm not a huge Def Leppard fan, but I do like quite a few songs on here. I mean, I can't deny Photograph. I like Rock Rock Till You Drop, Foolin'. You know Love what I mean? It. Like, this is, yeah. I mean, it, it paved the way. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, in that 80, or, uh, 88, um, in the round in your face, they open with Stage Fright, and then they go right into Rock Rock Till You Drop, and it's like, dude, mm -hmm. they, they, they kill it on those two, and it's Joe Elliott doing that high stuff that I... I love and the fact that he can just kind of live in that high range and not waver. It uh, really showcases his voice. Um, and it's really true hard rock Def Leppard versus the kind of more bubblegum polished stuff that they may be known for to yeah. the to the novice. <laughs> yep, for sure. All right, number two. I've recently discovered that you are not that big into this album. I'm not even sure if I want to speak to you anymore now that I know that, but... <laughs> but this is where I got Motley Crue, Too Fast for Love, man. You know, and I understand where you're coming from, but I think what's cool about this album is that it's just a strange mix of sounds that's on here. You know what I mean? It's it can be poppy, it can be metal, it can be punky. It's it's just a very hybrid type of a sound. It's it's kind of cool. I wish they would have dabbled a little bit more into this. I think they've tried, you know, like with stuff on um Oh, like new tattoo, but I just don't think they've ever been able to, uh, you know, get back to this. But uh, yeah, I think you know, big problem with it. This album probably for a lot of people is that you know, sonically and maybe talent wise, not everybody's there. I think I think Mick and Tommy are there, but I don't think Nikki and Vince are a hundred percent there yet. But you know, they're they're doing pretty damn good. Uh, Live Wire, Starry Eyes is is one of my favorite crew songs. Public Enemy number one, Merry Go Round, mm -hmm. on with the show. I mean, come on, Ryan, what's wrong with you, man? Too fast for love. It's a dude, it's a friggin' slammer. So I love it. So I'm not gonna harp on it. Well, I mean, everybody knows this uh, album, and it's all there is to it. So it's good stuff. I kind of want to eat my words a little bit because, as much as I was kind of bagging on it, I recently, as in like recently last night, I was looking at it again, going, "Okay, why did I talk shit about this?" And I was going. Maybe it's because the rest of the catalog overshadows it or whatever. Or maybe it's because people like Eddie Trunk preach it so hard. Mm -hmm. That could be a reason. But Take Me to the Top is probably like my fourth favorite. That's a and great song. And it would be like, yeah, it'd be like Livewire, PC Reaction. I love oh, the PC Reaction. I forgot to mention. That's great. Yeah. I mean, like I said, there's, I mean, yeah, I like the whole album. Yeah. But then, like, on with the show Merry Go Round, I think. I think the reason why I'm not huge into it is because it's a little too poppy mm -hmm. for com compared to anything else they did beyond that, you know, until maybe like, um, Dr. Feelgood right, right, right. do like a don't, don't go away mad or something like that, but it's different pop. That's like, you know, it's just crossover stuff, but yeah, I don't know. It's a little too early in the Motley world for me. I, I obviously have it on my, on my honorables and, I love the fact that Livewire is on there and they set the tone, but yep. yeah, it's not it's nothing that I I go back to a lot anymore, which is weird because I once upon a time was obsessed with it. <laughs> and you know, one other thing that you know, I don't know if we need to discuss, but I mean, you've mentioned that like your disdain for Eddie Trunk. What's going on? <laughs> Twice, <laughs> dude. You know what it is? It's it's the fact that it's the predictable. I like the first album. I like the first one. Oh, right, right. Crap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's that stuff. And it, it's the same with literally every band we talk about. It's like, well, they didn't 
then then you're one of those guys that doesn't want any band to mature and grow and right. be better and get you know all all the things that people preach about other bands growing and and becoming more diverse and this and that in their catalog. He always goes to the first album, but like I don't really do the first Def Leppard. I don't really love Too Fast for Love anymore. This and that. Early, even even really early ACDC, I don't even listen to that much anymore. So right, but it, it's that stuff. It's just like when you were saying. The more people preach appetite for destruction, the more oh, you yeah. go, okay, I'm over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay, in, in his defense, he is a little bit older than us. So, you know, he may have yeah. caught these, you know, at a crucial time in, in his life. So I don't know why I'm, I'm defending him. I got no, I don't, I love him. I love him. I, I, want to, I want him to come on the show sometime. That would be killer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. I'm just busting your balls about that. But what I want to hear, which I already know what it is, I'm almost, if, I'm, if it ain't it, I'm I'm gonna I'll hang up on you if this if this number one isn't what I think it is I'll, I will hang up. Okay, tell me your number one is. Well, it's obviously thriller. <laughs> Dude, it's got to be beat it with with Eddie Van Halen. It's it better be. <laughs> so my number one is for those about to flick the switch in black. <laughs> okay you get the pass i was like I, he better put back in black number one but you could you could mention all three of those so yeah i'm prepared to break all the rules and disregard all these <laughs> clan metal cast etiquette etiquette and defy choosing my number one but no really um if i could create a, a greatest double album ever in acdc i would remove the song let me put my love into you and add Let's get it up and uh, uh, put the finger on you and inject the venom, nervous shakedown, flick the switch and bedlam in Belgium for uh, of the other two albums. But anyway, I I can't. And the reason why I do choose Back in Black is because I really would only remove one of the songs on that album. And it's I can't deny Back in Black. Um, I recently read Brian's biography, like in the last year. And just like listening to the hiring process and the recording and the aftermath and just what a dream come true that was for him. And he was kind of whisked away from a mediocre life and put in a superstardom. And he would have never really had to worry about anything else ever again in his life financially if he had just done that one album <laughs> and, then be, and then been done. But uh, this song's just so strong. Uh, I just I just let it play. The song Back in Black, I never turned off ever it's just so strong to me I, I don't get sick of it and i crank it like it's the first time i've heard it every time and uh it's just a beast of an album the record sales do show that usually i don't base my choices off record sales but this is one of those where i, I can't deny it obviously um and i'll never turn it off i love this album I love all three of the that I could have chosen, but this is the one that was the absolute beast. Yeah, that well, good. You you succeeded. Uh, you, you didn't. <laughs> and, and I'm not a huge DC fan, but I do like a lot of the songs on Back in Black. I like like Rock and Roll, Ain't Noise Pollution, and, right. and so many other you know songs that maybe don't get a ton of attention. And I even like some of the tunes on the other. I, I love the song for those about to rock. We salute you. Uh, you yeah. know, like Flick of the Switch. I put the finger right on you. I like all that stuff. So, like I said, I, I'm never going to be a guy that's just going to listen to like full ACDC albums, but certain songs, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Right on, man. All right. No surprise here. Number one. 
Kiss. Creatures of the Night. Uh, Kiss had to pay for their sins of, of disco and <laughs> pop and weird concept albums and finally gave the fans what they wanted. It was probably too late. Uh, hence why they had to take the makeup off and pull one last ditch. Uh, there was one, one, one more trick in their trick book to, uh, to try to get back on top. But this really, I don't care what anybody says, this album is superior to Lick It Up in many, many, many ways. Uh, better songs, better sound quality, has the best drums and drum sound for me on any album that I've ever heard. Eric Carr is just a beast on this. He finally got oh, his nice. chance to really kill it. And, and and even when it's simple, like something like I Love It Loud, it still is, will uh-huh. crack, crack your ribs. You know what I mean? Uh, Gene is an MVP on this album. His voice is so nasty sounding and so cool. The bass sound, I don't, I don't know if he really played bass on all the songs, but he, I know he played <laughs> on some of them. And, uh, you know, Paul even has some pretty cool stuff on here. A song that I've always kind of not been totally into, but I, I've been giving him more of a chance is Paul's uh, I Still Love You. Because a lot of people think that this is also another, you know, early days of, of the power ballad. And it really is. And it is a pretty good song. And there's a lot of great emotion and vocal gymnastics going on in this song. So, but I, like I said before, when the album is heavier, Paul tends to suffer a little bit. Gene uh, will thrive. But it kicks off with Creatures of the Night, which is a great song by Paul. So just great stuff. And it, it contains one of my favorite Kiss songs that me and my son will play constantly when we jam together. And it is War Machine. And with that, nice. I'm out. But I think the crazy thing is, is you know, going back to what I said with Lick It Up, to think that I love this album so much and I'm not that much into Lick It Up, it is kind of strange because it's the same producer you know, a lot of the same players and writers and, and to how they created something so different, at least to my ears, uh, is kind of weird. But, yeah, I would take Creatures over, um, over Lick It Up any day. And Kiss looked great for Creatures. They, they got the metallic look back. Even though their their tour was not very big, I mean, it was epic with the tank that was blowing off bombs. And the drum was on, <laughs> was on a tank, drum riser. So, so many cool things. And it's probably one of their most epic album covers with the Blue Faces. And yeah. um, they ruined that album cover when they redid it in the 80s. Uh, they took, they did it without makeup because they thought maybe that would appeal to more of the the new fans. But that that cool cover with the uh, blue faces is the best, and the glowing eyes. It also has Ace Frehley on the cover, but he didn't play a lick on the album. The all all the guitar work is done by random. But that's my number. So one. I was going to ask you about the Ace thing. Yeah, and I, I I know the lore surrounding it was they put him on the cover, but he didn't play it, and yeah. and you just kind of solidified that. So. So he, they really tried to pull a fast one, or like how'd that, how'd that go? The reason that they did it is because they had signed a contract with a big, a big record contract with Casablanca, and the, or well, maybe it was Polygram at that point. I don't, I don't know. I think it was. Well, I think Polygram inherited Casablanca, and some Kiss nerd is gonna is gonna refute what I'm saying. But ultimately, <laughs> to keep the contract as it was for big money, you had to retain three of the original members. So yeah, they were oh, okay. trying to pull a fast one on the label. They didn't want the label to know that Ace was gone, and I think they were still just gonna try to con him to stay into the band. But he didn't. He didn't bend, and, and he did not do the. Uh, he was gone by the time of the tour. So, you know, yeah, that's that's the lore. Okay, now it's cleared up. <laughs> All right. So, what about your honorables? I don't have very many, and I think you covered a lot of my honorables. What, what do you got for honorables? All right, cool. I got a uh, Fastway, their first one. 
Yeah, it's a pretty cool album. Um, Night Ranger, I know you're not a huge Night Ranger guy. Nope. They had a couple. <laughs> I got the... <laughs> I got the Rat EP with uh, Tell the World and You Think You're Tough, which yep. I almost put on there with those two songs by themselves. <laughs> I got uh, TNT, but I believe it was with the the first singer. Yep. Um, the only that there were the standout of that one was that song USA, which is still sung in in English, if you yep. will, with uh, those three letters. I got Vandenberg, Wasted. I'm surprised you didn't have Steeler on there with Keel and Ingve. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Grand Prix with um, Robin McCauley. Hmm. And then I had K- Kiss Lick It Up. But Grand nice. Prix's cool. It's called Samurai. And uh, Robin McCauley, um, early um, pre-MSG, obviously. And uh, cool album. The first few songs are very true to form, and then it kind of falls off and goes a little early 80s keyboardy weird. But, um, yeah, good, good stuff. The only things that I didn't have that I was – you know, on the fence about was Man of Wars uh, Into Glory Ride from 1983. It's good, but it's just not as good as Battle Hymns. Uh, I, I wrestled with Scorpions uh, Blackout as well. Uh, Kiss Music from the Elder. You know, that's a really um, you know a controversial album amongst Kiss fans. Some people can't stand it. Uh, I'm not huge into it either anymore. I, it just doesn't do anything for me, so I kept it off. That's that's probably about it. Yeah, you know, except for me, it just cool. was kind of slim pickings because, like I said, these are this is not the era I got into this stuff. Uh, it was all going back, and uh, oh, you know, what I wrestled with is the twisted couple of the twisted sister ones, Under the Blade. You I can't see. stop rock and yeah. roll. But you know, like I said, there was a few that that I liked back in the day when I was younger, and then when I went back to them, they just they weren't really doing it for me, so they didn't make it. I see. Yeah, kind of, yeah. This is I, like I said. I realize it's kind of my go-to fallback albums or fallback bands that that were kind of starting to peak and and before like i said it was when i started getting into this stuff i had to go back in the genre and go back in the, the early part of this decade and 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 build the foundation so a lot of these albums really uh, hold a good place in my heart yeah definitely and this was laying down the groundwork for what would come as we got to the mid 80s and everything so a lot, lot of important albums so yes Okay, buddy. Always a pleasure. All right. Thank you very much. Bye, Good talking to you. Yep. Talk to you soon. Take care. Yeah, bye. Bye. Well, that was great. Looking back on where it all began. Hope you enjoyed it. Rock on.